Welcome to the first episode of the Common Threads podcast by David Allen and Digital Blueprint Marketing. And uh, to get things started here, um, we'll just quickly introduce ourselves. Um, so I'll toss it over to you first, boss man, and uh, give us a little rundown on what people can expect here from this this new series. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's been a couple of years we've been wanting to do a podcast and, you know, we've had so much support for the brand through the ups and downs and everything else. And we've always been transparent about building our brand. So for me, the podcast just was natural evolution of, okay, let's dive deeper and let's show more of the under the hood of what it's really like to be an entrepreneur, to grow a business, how difficult it is. And also the successes that do come with it. Cause we actually don't highlight a ton of those. You know, we post a lot of uh, photos on social media. We very fortunate to work with a lot of celebrities and successful individuals. But with that being said, we really focus just like a lot of entrepreneurs uh, entrepreneurs do is, is on the negative stuff. And I never wanted to make the journey look easy. And I never wanted to make the journey uh, look like it was something that didn't need hard work to go into it. So what you're going to see over the next, you know, several weeks and months uh, through 2021 we're going to have um, various celebrities that we work with, various athletes, successful business men and women, and basically anybody who just really goes above and beyond and, and understands what it takes to get to that next step in business. And, you know, as we continue to grow our clothing brand and our marketing company, it's going to allow us an opportunity to continue to add just new and exciting guests that we can continue to share their story and i.e. really tie in the commonalities or the common threads between fashion, entrepreneurship, the hustle and, and everything else that's involved. So, and, uh, my name is Chris. I am uh, creative director with, uh, David Allen clothing here since the beginning and uh, creative director for uh, digital blueprint marketing and everything just uh, kind of how you just put it, it, it all ties together. And that's where this idea was kind of bred was um, we do a lot in the fashion industry. Obviously we have a digital advertising agency. Um, how do you find the commonalities in those two different worlds and bring them together so that, um, the content that we talk about appeals to people on either end of that, whether they are a business owner um, who's looking for inspiration and marketing ideas and cool new uh, content things that they could try or just uh, philosophical ideologies of marketing that, that we use. Um, but then people that are deep in the fashion world and people that love professional sports and we'll find value in some of our special guests that we'll have here. So really the name of the game is commonality. And, um, I think maybe a good place to start here is for you, what is the common thread that, that led you from, um, the initial journey of David Allen clothing and the, the jump you made to begin that journey through where you are now, um, being the owner of, of multiple successful companies and, and what you're looking to do next. You know, a lot of people don't know where I actually started this journey and it, it was prior to David Allen clothing. And ironically, Chris was the first person that I called, you know, I think I was 24, 25 at the time. And I had, a, had an idea to start a necktie company. 
So that was, you know, my early to mid twenties, you know, and then I had two failing businesses, you know, after that, that inevitably led me to doing the custom clothing. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that I've learned through this entire process, it's been about 10 years or so, 11 years that I've been attempting to be an entrepreneur, uh, overall and, and half of that successful and half of that failures. And I, I think the one thing that really correlates between everything is just you instantly learn there's no quick way to be successful. You instantly learn that there's no, hey, celebrity A post something and then all of a sudden you have this massive following or you automatically sell millions of dollars worth of product. That just doesn't happen. So the 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 quick kick in the ass that I received was that message was, hey, if this is going to happen, there are reasons that people say it takes 10 years to be an overnight celebrity or an overnight star or overnight success, whatever the, the lingo would be. And I look at the negatives that we had in the beginning or the failures that we had in the beginning as, as being the catalyst to understand that it was going to be a grind to actually do this. And, you know, we started out with uh, the necktie company, which was called Spearing Threads. And I had three business partners on that. Quickly realized that not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur and, you know, I had partners and it just never was anything other than a side excitement to them. And for me, I always had grander visions of just being a successful business person because I just trusted myself as the, you know, the years progress and one business failed. And then, you know, that led us into the proper knot, which is an interchangeable necktie, um, you know, device that I patented and created. And that was kind of my first solo bid as an entrepreneur. And that was the ultimate, okay. I have something. I think it's going to lead to something. I don't know where that's going to go. I thought I would have sold millions of those units by now. And um, that was another, you know, business that I started that quickly said, okay, here, you really are, are in for a long haul with this, you know, and, and the proper not fortunately, you know, doing that business and trying to create that product. That's when Chris and I really started teaming up together from an, Hey, I need your, your skill set and your help. Cause he was the first person, you know, you were the first person that I called, um, you know, whenever I had the idea to do anything business related and, you know, after seeing the creative, the ideas, the direction that you pointed me for the proper knot, um, it, it, it showed me how much more valuable it was going to be long-term by having you on, on the team and, and really getting things going. And I think when we started out, I mean, you were, and I haven't even thanked you for this, but you were charging me for everything, right? Photo shoots. And you were trying to do your side hustle. And then as we've grown together and started businesses together, I've been fortunate enough to not to, to be able to absorb those costs into business and, and everything else. So I was actually talking the other day and needed to thank you for that. And I, I truly mean that. Yeah. Um, because there's so much that's out there that that businesses need help with. And I think not jumping all over, but that's a part of that this podcast that I'm very excited about is we want to also be able to help people and give them tips to be successful and things that we literally just went through in the recent months, years, weeks, whatever it would be. But, um, you know, circling back to continuing the story and, and getting things going, it, you know, one business led to another, then the proper knot and Chris and I kept going and diving into that. And, you know, the, ne the next step was I, I, I can't make this product successful at $19 um, and get out of a day job. It just mm -hmm. the, the margin in the product wasn't big enough to do anything. And it just said, OK, well, what's next? And I understood the power of fashion. I understood the power of uh, presentation and first impressions and all those things when I was formerly in medical sales. That is really the trigger that said, okay, there's an opportunity here to sell another product 
and to take it to the next level. And then the suiting started taking off, getting legs, and, and that led us to create another company with the Digital Blueprint Marketing, which led us to get into the uh, mask business, which we did for the pandemic. You know, and I think six to eight weeks, we sold over 500,000 masks, something along those lines. And we were able to donate $25,000 to a, a, you know, a massive um, Allegheny Health Network. So a massive um, institution in the healthcare world. So, you know, that's the, the, the journey and the path that we've been on. And we'll dive deeper into those, these segments as we go. But there's so much before David Allen clothing that happened that people were unaware of. And I, I never really highlight that. It's, this is really the first time I've talked about that. So do you ever think about wishing that you could go back in time, even six years, and give yourself a pep talk and say, don't lose sleep or turn gray from these failures. Embrace them because it's that is a very needed commodity to get to where you know you're going to be. Um, and I think a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, their first failure feels like the nail in a coffin and let's just close up. Can't it, it failed. So what would you go back and say to yourself as a rookie small business owner? So there, I don't know if you've seen it on like Instagram or social media anywhere where there's questions that pop up and it says, it's like a meme of some sort where it will say, would you rather have, um, you know, be 50 years old and have $40 million in your bank or have all the knowledge you have and start at age five or 10 or 12 or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. that question is so unique because I would never take the money. And why I say that is because the, the education that, and the knowledge that has come with failures and has come with constantly getting kicked in the ass over and over and over again, it honestly makes you feel invincible because you realize two things. You realize one, how simple business is, right? At the same time, it's extremely challenging and very difficult. So it's a weird statement when you say that. Um, but also the other thing is the personal growth that comes along with it. And I've fortunately been able to find out the true definition of happiness. And, and, you know, obviously this year, Chris, Chris was able to, to quit his job, um, you know, at a large agency. And, and I'd love you to talk about that here in a second. Um, but I, I, I don't think that if I would not have gone the path that I've gone and been through the things that I've been through, I would have an understanding or know how to grow a business the way that I do. And, and failure is the most educational piece that people say, and it's cliche, but it's true. I think that's why so many successful entrepreneurial stories start with um, just having the the guts and the, the drive and the focus versus starting with the capital. Yep. Um, I think I, there's no stat in my lexicon to pull up, but I would think that businesses that just start with a ton of money probably don't last too long because they just feel like they're already comfortable because they have the money and they probably don't use it right. Versus if you have just a small amount of resources, but a dream, that's a pretty dangerous entrepreneur right there. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've been fortunate to run into all kinds of entrepreneurs in the suiting business as I've sold to different business owners. And I've seen both ends of the spectrum, you know, even recently at a, a, a um, you know, a client of mine that I've became good friends with and, you know, their path was far different than my path. And 
um, it, it really hit home because I just think the appreciation for things are so much more different mm-hmm. and the way you treat people is just different. And the thanks that you give people, man, I, everybody, whether you buy a $140 shirt or now, you know, a $70 sweatshirt or $75 pair of joggers we offer, I value those people so much more and I would never disrespect anybody. Right. So I think what it does is when it teaches you to grind it out, whenever things are terrible and I didn't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars that went only into the business to grow. Um, I just, I think it molds a different individual and there's nothing wrong with the other path by any means. You know, I, I personally, I'm glad I went the way that I did, you know, it's Mm. fucking, it's been really, really difficult, but, um, you know, the, the things when you experience in life and you understand what life's about, that's where you get the knowledge. And I think one of the big common threads that I obviously know, knowing you for so long and being in business with you it's the same common thread that I share and our other business partner shares is um, being good, humble people and wanting to help other people. It's such a simple sentence, but you either walk it or you don't. Right. And everything we've ever done and you've ever done has kept that lens of, okay, if we do this new initiative, this new campaign, this new product, this new whatever, how can we also use that to help people to donate, charity, things like that? And I think that's been maybe one of the biggest common threads we've had um, that has kind of steered our ship with decision-making. If something doesn't feel right and have that element of giving to it, we might kind of pull that off the table. Right. But if there's something that feels really out there, but there's a giving element or something that just we know will be better for general public or consumers, then we know it feels right in the gut. And that's another one of those intangibles that you don't really think about when you're starting out, that that's a very important thing. Um, So where did that stem from with you as far as um, being so young as an entrepreneur you would think that everything needs to be okay. Me, me, me. How do I get to that next stage, next checkpoint versus I'm not worried about the next checkpoint. I just want to do what's right. So how did you make that decision to start the fashion show so early on in the game and carry that through all the way? So, I mean, it's a a difficult question to answer because I don't know. I can only kind of explain my thought process on why I've done certain things or why I've, you know, came to you and said, Hey, what do you think of this idea? And I look back at our first fashion show that we had, I was doing some work with um, the American cancer society and we were doing something for breast cancer awareness and trying to raise money. And, and I had a friend that worked there at the time who, who also helped me do some things in the clothing um, shout out to Brian Goolish on that. He's an awesome dude and uh, really helped get a lot of things in the first, you know, 6, 12, 18 months of business really going for us. And I just think you realize how many people are out there that just need help or there's so many people out there that just don't have the same situation that you do or not in the same position. And I just don't like that. And it's not the fact that I don't like it from any other standpoint of like, man, it's, I feel like I'm super blessed and super fortunate to have what I have or to be presented with even the mindset that I have when I know other people don't have that mindset. And 
the power that you have as an individual and how you look at your day to day when you serve other people or help other people, there's no better rewarding feeling than that. And I've, I've seen other sides of that in business where I've had people that I've associated with through business and learned who they are that have only done things if they were going to get something in return. And I just think that's one of the ugliest qualities a person can have. And it may work, may work forever. It may be a tool that I'm not using that has hindered a little bit of growth in some capacity, but I don't care because I just believe in being good and doing what's right. It's always about setting an example. It's always about taking the lead and, and putting yourself in a position to help other people. And there's two things that happen. One, the feeling that you get by helping other people, there's nothing that's more rewarding. There's not a dollar value that you could put on that. Seeing someone else appreciate or smile or say thank you because you've done something for them, a gesture, created something, whatever, is, is just fucking awesome. Um, and then the other side of that is you always get something in return from that too. And if you don't, who cares? But the good juju or karma or whatever you want to call it that happens, you know, I think we're a testament of that. We've just, we've been fortunate to have so much support in the community. And when we had our first fashion show for the American uh, Cancer Society, I had no idea if three people were going to show up or five people or a thousand people. And I remember my, my parents told me, you know, my dad was nervous. He was like, yeah, I wonder if anybody's going to even show up to this thing on the first one we had. And then they pull up to the strip district in Pittsburgh and see this, holy shit, magnificent like spectrum of what we put on. And we had 350 people on the first event. I remember being skeptical too. I mean, I, I, you know, coming from my music background, I know how hard it is to throw a, a launch event that's kind of feels like a concert and all the pressure and promoting. And, you know, so I, you know, I was 50, 50. I, I wanted it to be great, but at the same time, first thing out of the gate, you don't know what's going to happen. And I remember standing in the back and just like seeing it all and just being like, I, I think we have something here. And I think, I think a big reason for that is success right out of the gate with the fashion show was like I said earlier, it wasn't about me, 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 look at me, look at me, fashion designer. It was, I'm just a tool to, a tool, you're a tool. I, I'm just a, uh, a source to bring these resources yep. to a good foundation. Yeah. So at that, and bringing in the celebrities as well, who also shared that same um, being a vessel for raising money and not, hey, look at me and let me sign a million autographs. They were there to do charitable work. And, that, and they all mingled with everybody too, which was incredible. Yeah, that I, I still remember all the pictures um, in the photo album there of just, you know, seeing people we went to college with or even high school with and standing next to pro wrestlers and Steelers. And um, it was just a, a different thing that nobody's really used to here in Pittsburgh because, you know, frankly, in 2015 or 16, if you Googled Pit Pittsburgh fashion show, you're not going to see much. Right. You're probably only going to see the Steelers. Um, versus if you Google that in the LA, New York, Chicago, you're going to see a thousand. Right. So um, that really set a precedent um, that I think laid a, a, f a framework for where the clothing company is now and the perception of it in the city and even beyond the city now, frankly. Um, but it all stemmed from, wanting to do good and that humble um, approach. And for me, that humble approach, you know, I didn't just pick that up in marketing. 
that stemmed from everything I did before it. Right. And, you know, I think about my, you know, 10 years as a touring musician, you know, you don't leave that venue until you say thank you to the sound guy, the stage manager, the uh, bartenders, um, even the person attending the bathrooms. Yep. Um, you say thank you. It's, dude, that's really and, awesome. And that's, there's no rule that says you have to do that. And frankly, a lot of people in that world don't do that. But the next time you roll through there, they're going to look forward to your event. They're going to want to help you. Um, and you just have a good name associated. And, you know, that that's something that stays with me now where we are also is, you know, um, saying thank you to custodians that clean your building. Um, things like that. It's such a small thing, but when you do that and you don't do it to just pat yourself on the back, but you do it just because that's instinct, I think you're, you're going to find success no matter what, because you're grounded right. with, with stuff that isn't intangible that a lot of people don't get. Every single year for every single fashion show that we had, I always get text messages. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I, until you just said that, I never thought of it, but I'm, I'm the last one to leave the event. And I remember the first one and it was in the strip district and I was standing outside and I remember I took a picture, um, you know, facing my, I was just leaning up against a, a stool or a car or something. And I was, had my feet crossed and I just took a picture of my lower half showing the suit that I had on, showing the pants that I had on. And I said, we'll see you next year, something along those lines. And, um, that was the first year I had aspirations of doing it on Grandview. Um, but, but to the point of that, I was like, man, I was the last one here. I couldn't get, at that time. Uber was pr pretty new cabs in Pittsburgh were terrible. It took me an hour and a half to get to the after party, you know, once the uh, fashion show concluded, but I stayed there because I wanted to thank the food truck people. I wanted to uh, thank the, the bar owner. It was, it, you're right, man. It's, it's groundwork that is very important. And, you know, now for myself in a, in an ownership position of a company, you know, I, I feel like I'm fully able to enforce that with myself because, um, even in, in working for past agencies and things like that, you know, I was, there's lots of late nights where you're, you're working at the office 7am to two in the morning. Um, if you have a pitch the next day or something and you know, the cleaning crews show up at that time and they sometimes turn the lights out on you. And, uh, you know, sometimes that happens. I've seen people flip out on them. Like, what the fuck? How dare you do that while I'm in here working? Yep. Well, they're working too. They're just doing their job. They don't know you're in here at 2 a.m. You're not supposed to. Right. You know, but in advertising, it's normal. But um, but to, to know their name and, you know, say, hey, hey, Sandy, how are the kids? Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. And just know them as a human, not their job title. Um, that went a long way for me, especially when I lived in Chicago and I just, uh, I, I would just remember everybody's name right. because I didn't know anybody. So everybody I encountered, I just remembered, okay, that was, uh, that was Tanya, uh, diner, waitress, South loop. We talked about Tom Waits music. I actually had that note in my phone. Yep. So next time I went in there, I would remember her name, remember what we talked about. It's like starting a clean, fresh slate and just like going about life differently. But, um, it, it's an important thing. And, uh, and there's nothing you're going to get back from that. Nothing. No. Zero. Right. And that's, that's no. the awesome part about it. It's easier to just ignore them 
you know, put your head down, pretend like you don't see them, but they're a person too. And you're no better. Right. Um, you know, they were probably with their family all day and I was sitting at a computer for 12 hours. Who, who's a better person in that situation? Right. You know? Um, so I think that's just a, a big lesson I've, I've learned, um, in personal growth and then the thread of that going to business. Um, because you see so much of the ugly side yeah, and where that, where I kind of come into the picture here, as far as my background in advertising, um, I got that lesson on day one. Actually, well, I was still, still in college and I had my first interview with a big ad agency. I had to go out and buy a suit for the first time. Not your style. You know, not not my thing. Uh, to go to men's warehouse, and I just said I need a suit. <laughs> yep. And I think I just got some like funky shark skin, like t- way too flamboyant for just a college kid. And um, and so I literally Googled. Google was around back then, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. I Googled um, what do I take to an advertising agency interview? <laughs> I didn't know anything. Yeah. And I just, I printed out a bunch of my creative work and design stuff and some of my writing and um, threw it in a folder and walked in. And it it was an office that was absolutely insane. Um, Millions of dollars in this office to make it look like a piece of art. And um, it was my first time really even in a big building downtown. So even just seeing the view for the first time, I was like... This is adulthood. This is adulthood. Holy yeah, shit. Holy sure. shit. Like, I'm not sitting in front of my Xbox in my dorm room anymore. Um, and so I was nervous as hell. And uh, the, C- the C- CEO and the uh, executive creative director walked in, all dressed in black, um, veterans of the industry. And the uh, creative director um, was from Brooklyn, thick accent. And, uh, I was scared to death. Which yeah, is even more intimidating at that age too, right? Scared to yeah. death of her. And I was just like, I, I felt myself with my resume, which basically just said I went to college. Right. <laughs> and in my portfolio, I just remember kind of trembling, pushing it across the table. And um, she put her glasses on, opened the first page, turned to maybe one page, never looked me in the eye once, and then turned to her colleague and said, I don't have time for this. Pushed it away, took her glasses off and walked out. And uh, the CEO looked at me and was just kind of like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like she does that. Yeah. Um, and I just remember thinking, I am going to become better at this than you. Uh, more creative, more successful. Maybe I'll steal a client from you someday. Yep. And we did this past year. <laughs> we did steal a client from them. And, but I don't even I, think I knew that. Yeah. Um, we could, we could talk offline on. Yeah. On that, that was a, uh, I had a good, I think you told me that story. I didn't remember that though. I had a Hawaiian punch to celebrate that day. There you go. But, um, th- the whole point there was that that was my introduction to the industry was very kind of brash in your face. Um, if, if you suck, I'm going to tell you you suck. Right. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And as I got older in the industry, I realized there's actually some upside to that approach, especially in the creative world. Um, 
it's either good or it isn't. Right. And so I, I did, long story short, I did get hired there eventually. Yeah. And I learned a ton from her and, and the and the CEO. Um, did she ever say anything about that after on no, you know, why? No. Um, the the whole time I worked for her, for her, it, it that that uh, type of vibe was always there. Yeah. But it pushed me because I knew that even if I did something amazing, it would just be like a okay that'll work. So I wanted to keep striving to get better versus gushing over how good this is. Right. And, I, and I realized, and, and I think now that I'm in the exact position she had, I'm that way too for myself. If if I do something that I think looks good, I don't sit back and stare at it and say, Move on. You are a god. Yeah. I say, ah, it, it's it's right for what it needs to be. Yep. Um. So I, let me stop you there. So I think there's a couple of things that really think mm -hmm. about number one, and this is good for uh, other people in business that are just going through different situations. You may have a boss, you may have a, a, a coworker, some, whatever it is that, that treats you that way. Right. So I think that's number one for you to start fueling you. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it says, okay, Hey, I don't treat people this way. I don't want to be treated this way either. And, um, you know, that was my first taste in quote adulthood for that. Mm -hmm. And, and all those experiences that you have along the way are what build you into the person that you are. The, it, it, that situation helped you get through other client situations or helped you um, deal with another situation from somebody you may have worked with mm -hmm. in, at another agency or another company or in our business. And it teaches you life. Yep. I think that's what people, you know, you could look at it and be like, oh, fuck her, whoever it was, like, screw them. And you're right. You are better than them and you are more talented than them. And, and I feel the same way about myself with people and that nobody can be better than me, not because of the, the talent that I have, but the work ethic that comes with right. it. That's the that's the, the different edge in the scheme of things. Yeah, it's that everything lays the groundwork for what you don't know is coming. Right. And, um, you know, I in that moment in that room while I was still between college and real world, I knew in that moment that being humble was more important to me than being hard ass, yeah. frankly. Um, and I knew that I needed to get better and I did. And then I, you know, learned what, what, what to come in that room with next time. And it was like an audition. And the next time I came in and, audition correctly um so i in in retrospect when i tell that story it sounds like i'm being bitter but in reality it, that's one of those very thankful moments that that's how i got born into that industry um because i think without it i i would have maybe strayed or went somewhere else yeah. if i didn't take it correctly. And, and those are the things that a lot of people don't understand is the fact that every opportunity that we have or every situation that we have, it's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's literally, Hey, I have two options. I'm going to look at it this way, or I'm going to look at it that way. Okay. Well, you're going to look at it that way and, and be pissed off and hold a grudge towards someone. You can keep that grudge in the back of your mind and stay fueled. That doesn't matter, but do not let that shit just kind of filter with you. And mm -hmm. that, that will eat you. Away. It's wasted energy. And that's like a lot of the things that I didn't understand was the the I've gotten so much better at it. And a lot of it's part to you and, and also Derek. And he's, I think he's one of the best people that I know about walking away or ignoring bullshit and keeping, keep going forward. Right. Is just, it's perspective. And 
you know, I don't want to be treated that way. You don't want to be treated that way. Well, at some point you're going to have someone that reports to you, which we do now, or I'm going to have a client that I deal with that acts that way. And you know how to handle those people. And then if you get to the point where you're successful enough you, and you, you know, in the beginning you deal with a lot of bullshit, you, you take your punches, you, you let people bully you around a little bit more because you need the dollar. But when you get to that point where business is rolling a little bit or it's not as crucial, not that you don't want the money, but not every dollar is good dollar. And I think that's one of those things that that's just one of the many life lessons that that have have made you be who you are. And, and it's it's powerful because that lives with you forever. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of an easy segue with everything we just talked about. How does that and then how do you retain that type of philosophy and self grounding um March twenty twenty hits and something we've never experienced happens. This pan pandemic situation. Now there's many layers to that. There is how that affects your career, how that affects your home life, how that affects your own mental health of having to lock yourself in your apartment or house for months. That is a lot of adversity coming out of nowhere. And um, I think from a, a business standpoint, we could start there. Um, how, how did you take the brunt of that? What was that mindset like when everything kind of was announced and the reality of what was happening happened? Where did your head go? Where did your heart go? And where did your drive go? So the, I, I talked to someone the other day, like the first two weeks of this situation um, was awesome because for me, it was five or six years of seven days a week, not going to bachelor parties, not going to vacations. Uh, you know, I stopped drinking cause I couldn't afford it. So I gave up so much of my time you know, at that point I was, you know, late twenties, 27, 20, well, th well this year when this stuff happened, when I started, I was in my late twenties. Right. So fast forward the five years into 33, 34, 35, and you, you start looking at different priorities. So when you're in your mid twenties, the late twenties, you think things are different. And then what, what shows you that they're not experience. So as, as hard as it was to give up going to those things, it was what it was. And that was how you get to that point. So whenever the pandemic happened and I had an opportunity to stop and not feel guilty for stopping or for sitting down for an evening or a weekend or a day, I just loved it. And then after 10 days, 12 days, two weeks of it, you start really like, okay, that's not who I am. This sucks. Like, okay, nobody knew what was happening. So, all right, well, so we'll do this for another month. Big deal. Our sales started falling apart. We started losing a lot of revenue but it's only going to last another two weeks or another yeah. month. And so, so until the, until this, you know, today, yesterday, the last couple of days, you know, we're seven, eight, nine months into this thing and we still don't have an end in it. Mm -hmm. So I look back whenever, you know, we had an opportunity to say, all right, we got to figure something out or we could just keep sitting here and waiting on what happens if that was the case, we would be in in such a bad situation yep. right now. And for those of you guys that are guys and gals that are listening, you know, Chris and Derek were, you know, they were still employed by somebody else at that time. And, um, you know, so 
they had income coming in from another source. I was looking at our business and realizing, holy shit, we are losing money and we're losing money fast. The the government came out with programs at the time. So there was that little glimmer of hope that you can get something, you know, now towards the end, hopefully of the pandemic, there's nothing helping us. So if what we ended up doing as a company was, you know, we went through the entire month of March. Um, it was like March 14th or 15th, I believe, was the shutdown date that pushed us through the entire, you know, two week period of, of the remaining balance of March. And I was just like, this is not getting better. It's not going to happen. And back in February, um, which my, my dad actually reminded me of this. I saw him last week and we we're talking about it. But I brought up to him, you know, whenever everything was happening overseas in China and Europe. And, you know, I think Australia was hit a little bit earlier, too. And I was realizing that there's an opportunity that something's going on. I don't know to the extent of that yet. And I honestly thought it would never make it to the United States. I was I was one of those people. I was like, ah, it's, it's way, way over there. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And my dad and I talked about doing masks at that time. And again, nothing, you know, it just was an idea like many of them that I have. And you just put it on the back burner. Well, once the end of March got there and I was like, all right, I can't sit here any longer. This is driving me crazy. I'm not going to watch my business start imploding um, because it's something that's not in my control. If I want to, if I fail, I want it to be my fault. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be because someone else took control over me. So we, you know, I remember calling Chris and Derek And it was like a Thursday, it was April like 2nd or 3rd or something like that. And I was like, hey guys, we have to do something. What do you think about selling masks? And I remember the conversation, it was in the afternoon, and I just remember the excitement that I had on it, and then the belief that I was like, I know with watching you and Derek and what you guys have done for our marketing company for other clients that you guys are the missing piece to what I can't do. And that's the creative and that's the, you know, the social media targeting and, and things like that. I just didn't have a background in there, but I saw what you guys did for other customers. And that was really the start of even DBM taking off. I, I personally, and this is just kind of my thought was, Hey, I can, I could sell these masks on my own. I could run everything through David Allen clothing. I could create a mask. I could sell it. And I could probably do very well. Or my other option was, hey, I could start another business. I can make Derek and Chris um, equal business partners because it's going to take the three of us to be able to do what we wanted to do. And, okay, maybe I make less or maybe I make a lot more because they're doing things that I can never do. And I couldn't pay them to, you know, pay you guys to do that at the time either. Um, So it was like a super crazy, interesting point of, that tests the entrepreneurial mindset. And I know a lot of people that would have done it on their own. Well, even look at where that idea started because, again, bringing back in the common thread of um, doing good in the humble, um, you know, obviously you, you realize you needed to do something from a business standpoint, but you're also getting hit with 24-7 news coverage saying, there's no PPE. There, right. There's uh, hospitals can't get things, um, and if the hospitals can't get things, what are we all supposed to do? Um, so you saw the initiative of I. I am literally in the fabric related industry. Right. So how do I just use my resources to supply? And you know, it, it was we sold a lot of masks. We gave donated a ton of masks to 
first responders from um, police departments, fire, EMT, hospitals. Um, and that was really the why behind it was to do what you could as a fashion designer in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to make a dent of impact right. on what was happening. And when, cause I mean, basically from, from what we did from a branding marketing execution standpoint, if you weren't you, we would have laughed in your face and hung up the phone. Yep. <laughs> because, I remember Derek even said that. Um, because if a Friday afternoon, a, let's say a hypothetical client, you says, I need a new brand. I need a brand new e-commerce website. I need a shipping logistics automation processes. Um, I need uh, f fulfillment integration. Setting um, up shipping warehouses across the country. Shipping warehouses, customer service, everything. Literally brand in a box and I need it by noon tomorrow. That's basically what happened. Yeah. And it was the most intense 24 hours to start it. I think part of me was even just not thinking you were serious. <laughs> Which he often does. <laughs> and I, I still remember that next Saturday morning, um, we, did, we did a lot of work Friday night, well into 3, 4 in the morning. And I, in my head, it was like, okay, it's something we'll probably like fire on and, and execute and launch you know, next week or yep. a week after. And I'm, I was driving to my parents' house, and you called me um, saying, blank, blank, blank needs done now, and we're, we're flipping the switch at noon. And I was like, I'm driving to go help my <laughs> and And you just had the vision and the gut feeling of this needs to go now. And I literally pulled over like on 79 and had my laptop in the front seat through on my hotspot, did the last few things I needed to do from a creative standpoint on the website. And why did you not tell me like you're fucking crazy or I guess I never even asked you that. Like, cause I, you know, you and I have a great relationship. Well, that, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think I knew that what we had would a help a lot of people because we had the soup to nuts means to do it. Right. Because we had every piece of the puzzle needed to do it within our three different entities and the, the David Allen clothing brand that already existed and the, the fabric manufacturing and all of that. Um, so I knew that it would work. Um, and my whole sticking point from the beginning was, um, and again, coming back to being humble and trying to help the human psyche is what I do with everything in my life. And that's why I was so adamant on we're putting something on that mask that's going to try and just give comfort to yep. somebody. And we could have easily just done a blank mask or the, the first thing was just put a DA logo on it, but it's a pandemic. What the fuck's DA? Like shit's going bad here. The um, DA is nothing in that scheme. Exactly. So that's why I, I really wanted to put that um, mantra of, you know, we're in this together, which now is, is used, you know, globally. But having that there with the mindset of you're walking down the street, you're walking 
or you're power walking through the grocery store because you're trying to get in and out as quick as you can. So it was the other 200 people in there. And we didn't know at that time how serious the disease was. Right. And if you were going to get it, did you die? Did something happen? Mm -hmm. Did you lose a fucking arm? You know, we, nobody knew. There were so many unknowns. And, and now, nine months later into this, we see people in masks, and it's just normal right. now, frankly. But at that time, you saw somebody walking towards you in a grocery store in a face mask. It looked apocalyptic to you. Right. It looked threatening. Um, it, it took away the human. In, in this situation. So having that mantra right on the mask um, so that as you're walking by somebody, you're just greeted with a, a message of hope um, brings the human element into a very human frightening situation. Yeah. So, and we, we actually turned down a lot of business that wanted masks without our logo on there. You know, I had a couple of friends that are business owners that reached out and got pissed that whenever we said we, we're not taking our logo off. We're not taking the state, this not logo, but this, the branding of the, we're in this together. We, we wanted, and we were adamant on if we were going to do this, this is the way that we were going to do it. And we were not changing that for anybody. And if you, if you didn't want it, go somewhere else. And you know, even the branding that was on there with the name David Allen was so small in comparison to everything else because it wasn't about David Allen at all. That was purposely there, obviously, because we have a business and, and, and we wanted to get some branding with everything that we did. But the focal point wasn't that. Mm -hmm. It ne never was. And I think that that's what's really cool about this whole thing. And I mean, you can only imagine, you know, the, the first time we've in our lifetime ever experienced something to that chaotic level, the unknown, the fear, people losing businesses, people dying, um, you know, and then, you know, you start diving into the political spectrum with all that stuff getting exaggerated and, and amplifying everything. And so as people, you know, and, and business owners, you're in a panic situation, um, but, you know, breaking down to Chris's original point was we saw an opportunity. We saw that we could help other people. And there was a there was a, a purpose behind what we were doing other than just selling a product. It was never about selling a product from day one. Mm -hmm. And that leads me to the kind of the, not the mantra, but the the idea that um for some people, whether you're a business owner, an athlete, um, really anybody, when your back's against the wall and the adversity waves are just like crushing or it's something so daunting that you see coming, that's kind of the fight or flight right. situation where every piece of groundwork you've laid up until that point gives you the foundation and kind of fortitude to stand up to whatever's about to happen right. being against the ropes. And I know, I, I think that that was kind of the catalyst for, for everything we have going on is if you can create a brand and a full shipping logistics situation, customer service in less than 24 hours, and have it immediately start helping people and making an impact and having it kind of go viral as well. There's really nothing in this industry that you could throw at me and us that I would blink at yep. at that point. Um, and then the, the weeks that followed well, were, were awful 24 hour days of computer constant logistics, customer service. Um, this, you know, 
regional East Coast Pittsburgh-based clothing company quickly turned into a global launch pad of PPE. Right. Um, I don't think any of us thought it would get to that level. We we were really just concerned with getting masks to uh, Western Pennsylvania. Well, and, and even like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look real quick, but I, you know, I know the first 24 hours that when we launched the business, I think we did about $55,000 in sales in 24 hours. And that was with posting. That was not even boosting. That was not putting any funding behind it. That was us posting a, a thing on my uh, Facebook page and then people buying, tagging, sharing, all this other stuff that came with it. And um, and I'm just crunching this. So that's 5,500 um, masks in 24 hours, roughly, you know, give or take a little mm. bit. So, and I, I, I kind of want to stay on this a little bit more to, to give everybody an understanding of how crazy and difficult it was as we continue to grow. So even think about this, the first batch that came in when we were talking with our manufacturing partners in Thailand, hey, what's the time frame? What's the turnaround? How long is this going to take? Okay, can you do this? Well, it started out and, you know, they're telling us seven to 10 days. Of course, me as a sales rep, oh, three to five days, we'll be able to get it to you, which was just totally bullshit. Not knowing that, just being optimistic that, that we could do that because we turned other stuff around in a quick time frame. Well, the first batch took three weeks to come in. So now you have you know, 5,500 orders out there or, or individual masks out there. Well, in an, in an Amazon minded world where everything's now, now, now we're not putting a product out there in a time. That's a global pandemic in a time that people think they're going to die in a time where no one else can get them anywhere. We got harassed like crazy. And I think the first batch that came in, the branding on the mask just wasn't it was an error. There was a blotch on it or something. So it looked like there was a line down the, um, you know, the logo of everything. And I remember telling Derek and, you know, you and, and, and Derek, like, Hey, we can't sell this. And looking back, we probably could have, and it would have been fine. It is, it, it was what it was at that time, but we took that and we donated that to the hospital in Missouri. Yeah. And, and normally in that process, you have a whole quality assurance situation on the manufacturing side and the in intake side on the David Allen side, which would catch anything, send it back, replenish. Right. Normal quality assurance process that, you know, that, that there's no time for that. Cut it out. Yeah, we, that's, we know yeah. these masks are created to do what they need to do according to the CDC guidelines. Be, and they're already from the certain fabric that already, you know, was water repellent and, um, didn't let things in and out. Um, so we knew the product was fine. It was just a cosmetic thing that normally would never be acceptable. But in this situation, get it in, get it out. Um, and that, that's a, a business, you know, learning that um, is new because we've never faced that situation where it, this product is a, you know, PPE. This isn't a fashion garment. So getting it in the hands of people is way more important than, um, you know, having a, a couple extra stitches on a logo. Um, and I, I, that's. Which is hard for me to accept that. Exactly. Because yeah. I'm in a, you know, in a business of people, I'm used to having people buy thousands of dollars per, per product, hundreds of dollars for one item. And it's got to be perfect. It's got to look good. So I know, you know, three of us were kind of in a, in a, in a lull stage where it was like, none of us really knew what to do. 
And, you know, I, we saw that the hospitals and the first responders needed help. And they, you know, there was a whole hospital system in Missouri that they, the government wasn't helping them. They had nothing. They didn't have N95s. They didn't have the blue hospital masks. They had nothing. And the thanks that they provided us was well worth it. Mm -hmm. They were so appreciative and so thankful of what we were able to do for them. All right, cool. Now let's keep going because I'm okay with the bullshit that we're getting from customers now. Uh, Hey, this is a scam, right? We had to deal with people saying we were a scam in the beginning until we started shipping product out and getting product out because, you know, there's people that take advantage of situations where people are more sensitive and, you know, there's internet scams left and right. So not only did we have to provide and prove that we weren't, the customer service and shout out to Krista on that, the harassment her and Missy had to deal with. And even, you know, I remember calling you guys a couple of times, like, dude, like guys, we got to fix this. And there's a problem here. Like people are starting, you know, give us negative reviews, contact. We had five or six people call the better business bureau, which they're a bunch of bullshit anyway, you know, but that bothered me because it was like, man, for five years, we built this clothing brand. And for five years, customer service was our number one. And we never had anything, you Mm -hmm. know, a couple bad comments here and there, but you're going to have that. But it was like one, two, three, four, five, six negative comments back to back to back. And then we had to fight it on social media where we'd have to, we'd, I told our team, I was like, reply to everything Mm -hmm. just until we can get a product in their hands, reply to everything. Going dark will not help this. Yep. And I don't know if that was the right answer or not. That was just how we wanted to operate. Yeah, it, it was the right answer and the right call. Um, because at the end of the day, this isn't. This wasn't just, hey, my $30 pair of Uggs is a day late from Amazon. How dare you? This is a, I need to go to the grocery store for my first trip out of the house yeah, to go get a month's worth of supplies and the grocery store is all I'm seeing on social media is everything off the racks. It looks like a zombie movie. And they mandated to get into the grocery store. You needed a mask. Exactly. So the people's reactions, I didn't, I wouldn't fault them. Um, and, And I think having a human on the other end, being very uh, candid and open about the customer service and everything, you know, it, it, in, in our advertising industry, it's called crisis management and it's, it's how can you still portray your brand properly in times of crisis so that you don't lose the integrity of the company and you don't uh, belittle um, the customer's concern. And, you know, our team knocked that out of the park and basically getting a crash course overnight in that and responding at three in the morning. Cause again, our, our product was going everywhere. So we were in all time zones and, you know, we're, we're a small group and we had to be, we had to be Amazon. And it was a, a testament to, I think everybody being on the same page again, to that humble thread of, Let's, we just got to get these out and help people. Yeah, And that was the underlying mantra that we had and that stayed true in the way we responded to people. And the other thing that was happening congruently was we weren't the only people that were putting ads out there for this. There was a flood of companies that, you know, they weren't as fast as us, that's for sure. Yeah, and some but, were scams. But they were a lot that were scams 
and a lot of them that just didn't go about it correctly. They they were putting out ads that showed sexy models yeah, putting I on that. their mask yeah. and a bra or a shirtless dude with a six pack. Dude, it's a fucking pandemic. Nobody knows what the hell's gonna go on. Like, is this I forgot about is this that. the end times? Like what's going on, man? So don't sell me sexy yeah. lingerie on the face, you know? And that really pissed me off as a, you know, creative arm of advertising because everything in advertising is built on the insight of the human brain and emotion and how they're going to react to what you're putting in front of them. And the human insight at that time was, holy fuck. Literally, that was the insight. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get product into the hands of somebody who is saying that in their mind and scared, unsure, and in need? So from a marketing standpoint, how do you, the way you do that is with comfort, trust, and compassion and unity. And th- those words right there were the framework of how we went to the market to, to get our message out there. And I think of all the organic shares and the viral elements to what we put out there, it was all based around the mantra. It was the why behind why we were putting these masks out of, we just want people to feel like there's a unification here. These are scary times. Um, think about the person across from you. Right. And people, they got it instantly. They saw that mantra on the mask. They knew why it was there. And they wanted other people to feel that mantra during the scary times too. So, yeah. And I think to, to what you said earlier, Chris, you know, this is the, you, you talked about the uh, company that had the naked bodies or, you know, men with their shirts off and the masks on there. Then you compare what we did together, and that goes back to where this whole conversation started was the 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 reason behind it, right? They were doing it to make money. Mm-hmm. We were doing it to provide a help, a service, and then be able yep. to provide money to our team and to help people along the way. We you know we initially established from the beginning we we're going to donate a portion to you know different people involved that needed help. So our vision from the very beginning was always to help people. And all of a sudden, when these these other you know fake companies popped up or these BS companies popped up, they were they were literally trying to sell a product and nothing else. And that's fine. That's business. That's the strategy of that CEO or or owner or whoever it is. Kudos to them for doing it that way. We don't operate that way. Mm-hmm. And that that I think everything you said was just super powerful. And mm-hmm. I remember Chris and I had a conversation about that, and everything he just said was accurate as far as like, hey we got to build a brand in, in a short amount of time and we have to execute this the right way. The way to do that is to, to unify the way to do that is to comfort people. And the way to do that is to let people trust you through messaging. Cause that's the only way. Yep. So it was, it was wild. I mean, even, you know, for the, the following weeks after that, I mean, it, it took us a while to catch up on, um, you know, on the orders and everything. And, you know, I had people message us telling us we're pieces of shit. You know, I, I should have saved a lot of the, the stuff and you don't think about it at the, at the time, but you know, we had the live chat on our website and I remember this person told me they're going to like fucking rip our faces off and stab us in the throat and kill us. And it was like the most absurd messaging ever that people actually write into something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also kind of scary because, they're f- battling something you're dealing with every crazy Yahoo in the, in the country at the time that has an opportunity to talk to us and they know who we are. Yep. So it was, it was, it was really weird. And 
um, again, another learning lesson is how do you take that situation and, and run with it? And, and how do you, how do you let that situation become a building block for the future of something else that you may go through? And like you said earlier, bring it on. Like there's nothing that can come across our desk that I don't think we can handle because of that. Yep. And everything we experienced with, with that, the whole past nine months, you know, also allowed us to offer more things to our um, digital blueprint marketing clients and new clients of, you know, whether they were a a tangible in-store type of product service or um, fully an online service that, you know, they never really had to put 100% effort into their digital strategies. You know, we had, you know, no pun intended, we had the blueprint at that point. Um, We had it before, you know, but the world changed and that blueprint had to be adjusted. And so now, you know, things might change indefinitely in the world and in the United States as far as how people shop and uh, interact with brands online and how they sign up for services or, you know, even telehealth is, is the normal. I had a doctor appointment today on my laptop. Okay. And, um, you know, some things are going to become the norm from all of this. And that's where if you're a business owner and you don't have a digital strategy, you know, it's, it's time to hunker down and say, how do I plan for the next five years knowing that everything is going to be digital? And, everything is switching. Um, you know, there's always the in-person aspects to all different kinds of businesses, but a lot of those start in the digital world. So if it's that new, um, you know, that new chiropractor, that new car detailing service, um, physical things you go to, but how do you find them? And how do you feel trust and validity in that company before you even walk in that door? What was, um, just out of curiosity, what was the craziest part about the whole um, you know, the life of the mass company for you. What, what, does anything in particular stick out to you? Any experience, any, any, I know what I'm going to bring up after this and, and we've talked about it, but I wanted to get your, if there was anything on top of mind on your end. I think the, for me personally, as far as what was the most um, time consuming and late nights, it was uh, the influx of companies that wanted their own masks um it got to the point where i had to rent my own warehouse office space with multiple monitors and uh just kind of my own is that why you got the studio yeah my own thinking and scream space is what i kind of call it um because you know obviously working from home was the the normal at the time with with my you know day job agency and then our agency and the masks um I just couldn't do it at home anymore. And, did, uh, did you know you were going to do that full time by that point? Um, I mean, it was the ultimate goal anyway. And, uh, you know, we were just like everybody else in the world, unsure of what was going to happen. But I knew I needed at least a space to go feel the fury of what was coming in our door. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had uh, I had two 36 inch monitors that I needed just to be able to have the amount of screens open to be designing, developing and 
everything all at once, and it just it never there was no off. I just remember that there was no off switch right. during a day. So if I had to go run an errand or something, my laptop had to come with me. Right. And uh, you know, countless times sitting outside at at my girlfriend's mom's house, um, per- perched up on the outdoor patio, just continuing what I as soon as I get out of the car, flip it open, right back to it. Um, so, I mean, really, that first couple months, it was just nonstop. Uh, sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just, I got to get back to it because I, it was subconsciously in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> seeping through from, you know, any type of uh, metaphor reminding me that I had a mountain of things to wake up to. What about, so, so from that, about you waking up in the middle of the night, I know we talked in the past before um, about the, on Shopify, how they can, you, you see a map of the world and at any given time, it tells you who's live on your website. And I think at the, at the peak we've had, we had over 300 people, 250 people at any given second that were on the, on nonstop. So it was like, why I bring that up was because you know, a lot of people say, how do you get through these things? How do you keep going? Right. Well, that was another, that was another tool of motivation for us too, was it became an addiction that I had to check Shopify's, you know, uh, map of, of where people were on the website because it showed me, holy shit, we got a lot of stuff going. Yeah. And it also, it again, further put the human element into things because I remember staring at that map in real time and, you know, seeing places throughout the country that I love that are, you know, home to another home. Like when, when I saw ping after ping after ping every second from Chicago, you know, it was like a moment of, you know, that that's always going to be my second home at Chicago. And knowing that our product that we made here in Pittsburgh and bred from an idea of, you know, human compassion is going to help, you know, my peeps back in Chicago that yep. I'm removed from now. I remember seeing tons of pings come up from Brooklyn, New York, and that's a place that's very special to me too. And and know, Chris I, stays in a hostel when he goes to New York. <laughs> so if you ever get to talk with him about that, ask him yep. um, for this little, what, four foot by six foot hostel, hostel that he stays in. Yep, it has no ceiling. Uh, you can hear the person breathing next to you. They give you earplugs. Uh, to try and sleep at night, and, and how uh, much is it a night? Uh, seventy nine ninety nine yeah, in New York. So in the Lower East Side, <laughs> shout out to the Bowery House. There you go. That is uh, one of my sacred spots in the United States. Highly recommend it. <laughs> That's where all the weirdo creative ideas come from. Yeah, I met I met some cool Swedish people there. A couple, a couple. Uh, there was a couple there. It was a male model and a female model from Sweden and it was joint bathrooms. Oh, they loved it too. Europeans love that. Yeah. It's, it's totally normal for them. Yeah. It's weird to us. But I remember I was in there shaving, wearing a guns and roses t-shirt and they were both in there naked just because it's Sweden. Yeah. It's normal. And, uh, they were both way taller than me. <laughs> I just remember that. Like I'm six foot and both the woman and the man were like probably six, two to six, four. And they're both just beautiful, blonde human beings. And I remember uh, the guy just struck up conversation with me while I was shaving clothed in a Guns N' Roses t-shirt. And he was doing his hair naked next to me with his 
a very beautiful Swedish model wife next to him. And uh, he commented on my shirt, like, ah, the guns and roses, eh. And I was like, oh, yeah, are you a fan? He's like, ah, not really. Are they like Justin Bieber's? <laughs> and I just remember being like, whoa. And I was like, what's your, what, how, how's your, uh, is this your first time in the States? And he was like, yes, yes, yes. And I was like, what's your, what do you like? And he, he was like, ah, the girls. We, we like the girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love and I Europe. just remember being like, you know what? I don't have this experience in this moment elsewhere. It's a weird, fun moment to engage with somebody from another country, whether they have clothes on or not. And in this, you know, little piece of history in New York, and I went about my day like that was just a normal piece of it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, I, I like to have weird experiences that um, you can always look back on. And sometimes when things get kind of mundane and boring, you can kind of put yourself back into the the weird that kind of helped you grow a little bit. Sure. So I always recommend that you could go spend 600 bucks in a really nice fancy hotel for two nights in Manhattan, you know, or you could spend 160 bucks and really get the underground. <laughs> and what was the name of the place again? The Bowery House. The Bowery House. Check them out. And also the greatest pizza in America is right around the corner, Prince Street Pizza. Perfect. It is, uh, I remember eating it in the pouring rain on a late Thursday night, and it was just raining, and I was hiding under this abandoned uh, storefront. And... uh it's the kind of place where you go in, you order, kind of like Soup Nazi from yep. Seinfeld. You have to know what to say. And if you don't, they yell at you. If you ask for ranch, they will th literally throw you out because it's a no-no in like authentic Italian New York. Yep. And I just remember s sitting outside under the storefront in the pouring rain and I ate it and uh, it was just like an a out of body experience. Like this is something beyond humanity yep. this pizza and i just i didn't have a napkin and my face was just covered in grease and i just took off the bandana i wore around my arm wiped off my mouth still smelled like the pizza was fresh i saved that bandana i was gonna never ask washed you, yeah. it still in my drawer right now if i want to smell lower east side new york pizza it's right there so you got to get a, a creative weirdo slash genius that's into that stuff if you want to have a successful business. <laughs> but no, it, it is, you know, and talking about this stuff actually makes me miss traveling like crazy. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, the part of the creative side, even on me being in the fashion world, is to experience different cultures and to experience different, you know, events. And, you know, every state in the country is like a different country in the mm -hmm. country. So, you know, I definitely miss all that stuff, too. And, you know, but it's it's crazy, you know, circling back on the masks and, and what we've kind of accomplished with all that stuff and getting through all the headaches of everything. Um, it's certainly been an eye-opening experience that has allowed the three of us and our team and our marketing agency and all the other companies that we're involved in to just grow and be better and um, put ourselves in a better position to do more for other people, to help other people. And, and, you know, part of what we do with the marketing is we, we market for other companies. And the greatest part about that is the camaraderie that we feel about being on a team and being able to help people grow. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's a cool process all in all, but the mask, the mask business, the mask journey, you know, a lot of people have asked about that is it was, it was incredible. It opened up our lives, our opportunities. It allowed both Chris and Derek to, you know, 
joined the marketing full time. And then once, you know, once we got through that first couple of weeks and months of the mask business, it seemed like everything else started flowing with that, which was pretty cool to see. Yep. And also kind of the, uh, the icing on the cake, I think, as far as where that entire initiative started with wanting to help people from the humble instinct to kind of like the, the end cap on it. Cause it, it, at this point, everybody has a million masks in their car, in their pocket, in their house, or you could get it at the checkout at giant Eagle or whatever. So really the, the end cap for me was when we were able to donate, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to Allegheny health network, um, here locally in Pittsburgh and shout out to them and, and, Chelsea and all the great people at HN that do a lot of good things for the community. Um, but we were able to use resources to help AHN get more resources and for something we believe in and that's um, telehealth. And, you know, again, that comes back to the digital world that is going to continue, you know, overtaking every industry. And frankly, the pandemic accelerated that um, by a number of years of where it might've gone normally so, you know, in, investing um, brain power and resources into the community to help in that digital world, that's something we're all about as a actual digital marketing company. And, and that's why we're, we're really trying to help, you know, small businesses even in the area or friends of ours that own businesses to, uh, to, to get them through this. And, you know, for, for some people, it's a a cup of coffee and a, some advice, or it's a, a text, um, answering a question of what would you do in this scenario situation? And, and we find a lot of value in being able to give that kind of advice and direction for these business owners. And, um, we don't want anything in return. You know, it's, again, comes back to the humble factor of why we do business and, it's never been more apparent than it is now literally in a pandemic. And uh, so I I think we're all excited to get to 2021 here in a few days and kind of uh, feel the the hope of a new day, a new year and hope that things are going to turn the corner to some kind of normalcy again. But I think, you know, I know for me personally, all of 2020, it kind of really boils you down to what you're made of and what's underneath and to, to come out of that year in a better place than I was in the whole decade leading up to it um, in every facet and, and, you know, who I am as a person and everything that in 10 years, if I tell somebody about 2020, I'm, I have a lot of good things to tell them about my growth in that year. And then they might say, well, wasn't that the pandemic year? And yeah, it was, but that's where I really had to, grind my teeth and figure out who I am. And, uh, you know, it's a, that's a tough lens for, I think a lot of people to put on because of the hardships and everything. But if you can get through something like this, it's going to make, you know, a bad Tuesday feel like nothing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, kind of finishing up, wrapping up with everything here. And I, I think it's the highlight of perspective. And, you know, every situation that you run into as a small business owner or whatever you're doing, it's all about perspective on, on, you know, how to get there. And, you know, if anybody needs help, just, you know, part of what we do is the fact that we love helping people. So we'll take time to, you know, answer questions, address anything, at least give some guidance to get you in the right direction. And, 
you know, if you ever need services or anything that we do, just call us. It's, you know, we, we want to be a part of a community and that's what everything's about. And I think, and we'll figure this out too, but we're, you know, this is the first episode that we've, that we've done. We're still trying to iron out everything. So we're open for, for feedback on maybe things that we can do to end the show. Maybe there's business questions that people may have, you know, maybe we do something where we, every week we go on Instagram live or we do something on Instagram where we take questions and then we address those questions Mm -hmm. at the end of the show. So if there's anybody listening, you have any cool ideas, you want something more that you can get that's tangible. You know, we don't want this to just to be about something that passes time. You know, even if, if we have helped one business or one business owner, or even somebody that's just struggling with something internally that they're going through, that they listen to this and it just allows them to keep fighting and keep going. That's what this is all about. And that's where we tie in the name, the common threads as well, is the fact that you don't have to only be in business. You don't have to only be a celebrity, an athlete or whatever it may be. A lot of the times is just the, the, the commonality of the common thread of what holds humanity together. And I think that's what makes this so much fun and why we've been so excited about doing it. You know, of course, we're going to have cool celebrities, athletes, you know, business people on here. That just is icing on the cake. But the true fundamentals and the true values of what we offer is just every day, keep pushing forward and keep going forward with what we're doing. Well said. And with that, I'm Chris. And I'm David Allen. And this was the first episode of Common Threads.